Section 64 of A Book of American Explorers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Book of American Explorers by Thomas Wentworth Higginson. Book 13 Henry Hudson and the New Netherlands, 1609 through 1626. Part 2 Indian Traditions of Hudson's Arrival. The following narrative was written in 1801 by Reverend John Heckewelder for many years a missionary among the Indians. The traditions having been told to him, as he says, forty years earlier, that is, about 1761, a century and a half after the coming of Hudson, the following account of the first arrivals of Europeans at New York Island is verbatim, as it was related to me by aged and respected Delawares, Monzies, and Mahicani, otherwise called Mohicans, Mahicandos, near forty years ago. It is copied from notes and manuscripts taken on the spot. They say, a long time ago, when there was no such thing known to the Indians as people with a white skin, their expression, some Indians who had been out of fishing and where the sea widens, espied at a great distance something remarkably large swimming or floating on the water in such as they had never seen before they immediately returning to the shore apprised their countrymen of what they had seen and pressed them to go out with them and discover what it might be these together hurried out and saw to their great surprise the phenomenon but could not agree what it might be some concluding it to be an uncommon large fish or other animal while others were of opinion it must be some very large house it was at length agreed among those who were spectators that as this phenomenon moved towards the land whether or not it was an animal or anything that had life in it it would be well to inform all the indians on the inhabited islands of what they had seen and put them on their guard accordingly they sent runners and watermen off to carry the news to their scattered chiefs that these might send off in every direction for the warriors to come in these arriving in numbers and themselves viewing the strange appearance and that it was actually moving towards them the entrance of the river or bay concluded it to be a large canoe or house in which the manito great or supreme being himself was that he probably was coming to visit them by this time the chiefs of the different tribes were assembled on york island and were deliberating on the manner they should receive their manito on his arrival every step had been taken to be well provided with plenty of meat for a sacrifice the women were required to prepare the best of victuals idols or images were examined and put in order and a great dance was supposed not only to be an agreeable entertainment for the manito but might with the addition of a sacrifice contribute toward appeasing him in case he was angry with him the conjurers were also set to work to determine what the meaning of this phenomenon was and what the result would be both to these and to the chiefs and wise men of the nation men women and children were looking up for advice and protection between hope and fear and in confusion 
A dance commenced. While in this situation, fresh runners arrived, declaring it a house of various colors and crowded with living creatures. It now appears to be certain that it is the great Manito bringing them some kind of game, such as they had not seen before. But other runners, soon after arriving, declare it a large house of various colors, full of people, yet quite a different color than they, the Indians, are of that they were also dressed in a different manner from them, and that one in particular appeared altogether red, which must be the Manito himself. They are soon hailed from the vessel, though in a language they do not understand, yet they shout or yell in their way. Many are for running off to the woods, but are pressed by others to stay in order not to give offense to their visitors, who could find them out and might destroy them. The house, or large canoe, as some will have it, stops, and a smaller canoe comes ashore with the red man and some others in it. Some stay by this canoe to guard it. The chiefs and wise men, or counselors, have composed a large circle onto which the red man with two others approach. He salutes them with friendly countenance, and they return the salute after their manner. They are lost in admiration both as to the color of these whites as also to their manner of dress yet most as to the habit of him who wore the red clothes which shone was something they could not account for he must be the great manito supreme being they think but why should he have a white skin a large hock hack is brought forward by one of the supposed manito's servants and from this a substance is poured out into a small cup or glass and hand it to the manito. The expected manito drinks, as the glass filled again, and hands it to the chief next to him to drink. The chief receives the glass, but only smells at it and passes it on to the next chief, who does the same. The glass thus passes through the circle without its contents being tasted by anyone. It is on the point of being returned again to the red-clothed man when one of their numbers a spirited man and great warrior jumps up, harangues the assembly on the impropriety of returning the glass with the contents in it, that the same was handed them by the Manito in order that they should drink it, as he himself had done before them, that this would please him, but to return what he had given to them might provoke him, and be the cause of their being destroyed by him and that since he believed it for the good of the nation that the contents offered them should be drunk, and as no one was willing to drink it, he would, let the consequences be what it would, and that it was better for one man to die than a whole nation to be destroyed. He then took the glass, and bidding the assembly farewell, drank it off. Every eye was fixed on their resolute companion, to see what an effect this would have upon him and he soon began to stagger about, and at last dropping to the ground, they bemoan him. He falls into a sleep, and they view him as expiring. He wakes again, jumps up, and declares that he has never himself been so happy as after he drank the cup, wishes for more. His wish is granted, and the whole assembly soon joins him, and become intoxicated. After this general intoxication has ceased, during which time the whites had confined themselves to their vessel, the man with the red clothes returned again to them and distributed presents among them, to wit, 
beads axes hose stockings etc they say that they had become familiar to each other and were made to understand by signs that they would now return home but would visit them again next year when they would bring them more presents and stay with them a while but as they could not live without eating they should want a little land of them to sow seeds in order to raise herbs to put in their broth that the vessel arrived the season following and they were much rejoiced at seeing each other but that the whites laughed at them the indians seeing they knew not how to use the axes hose etc they had given them they having had these hanging to their breasts as ornaments and the stockings they had made use of as tobacco pouches the whites now put handles or helves in the former and cut trees down before their eyes and dug the ground and showed them the use of their stockings here said they a general laugh ensued among them the indians that they had remained for so long a time ignorant of the use of so valuable implements and had borne with the weight of such heavy metal hanging to their necks for such a long time they took every white man they saw for a manito yet inferior and attended to the supreme manito to wit to the one which wore the red and laced clothes familiarity daily increased between them and the whites the latter now proposed to stay with them asking them only for so much land as the hide of a bullock would cover or encompass which hide was brought forward and spread on the ground before them then they readily granted this request whereupon the whites took a knife and beginning at one place on this hide cut it into a rope not thicker than the finger of a little child so that by the time this hide was cut up there was a great heap that this rope was drawn out to a great distance and then brought around again so that both ends might meet that they carefully avoided its breaking and that upon the whole it encompassed a large piece of ground that they the indians were surprised at the superior wit of the whites but did not wish to contend with them about a little land as they had enough that they and the whites lived for a long time contentedly together although these asked from time to time more land of them and proceeding higher up the makikanituit hudson river they believed they would soon want all their country and which at this time was already the case End of section 64